0: Cause it's a pain A destiny child, you know it
1: will be rocket cause it's flesh insane. It's just a plan! A destiny child, more precious than a diamond on a bright machine. In Venice Beach, there was a man named Cage. Alright, welcome to The Pick, a place where we enjoy the finer things in life. You know, extravagant European vacations hot jazz, and murder. Uh, I am your host, the semi-talented Mr. Westman. I'm joined by Jonathan.
2: And Sean.
1: I guess those are our alter egos for for this episode. I don't know. I don't know what we're doing here, but we're getting fancy, because, like, Tom Ripley. We just want to be fancy sometimes, and life won't allow us that. Uh, So this episode, we're talking about The Talented Mr. Ripley, uh, a, a film from 1999, that year that people always say is a great year in modern cinema. I think the only other movie we've done from 1999 is Fight Club, but I could be wrong. Wow.
2: One of the greatest years in Cinema history?
1: Yeah, maybe. I don't even feel like this is one of the movies people talk about when they <laughs> talk about how great that year is. But I, I I was pleasantly surprised by it. But uh guess that's that's just how good nineteen ninety nine was. Um anyways, before we get to Talented Mr. Ripley We will do our little picks And my little pick Is a uh, TV show I just finished The first season of earlier Today Please tell me it's Ripley's Believe It or Not (laughs) (laughs) That would be Weird if I watched The first season of Ripley's Believe It or Not I don't even know when that show started
0: I'm going to see if that's streaming. I got to know. What if that also premiered in 1999? Yeah. Man, it's got to be early. I used to watch that every Wednesday night. Yeah, it
2: feels like a With Dean Cain? The Dean Cain version is Oh my god. 2000 to 2003. Oh no, on this IVB. is some
0: There's a 99 version with Bruce Campbell that I've never even heard of. I can watch it on Discovery Plus. <laughs> oh. More reason to get Discovery Plus Yeah, you're right, 2,000 for the other one Is that on Discovery Plus? That's nowhere Fuck Okay Sorry, go ahead
1: No, that's alright <laughs> uh, the, the TV show I, I just finished watching Is an HBO Max original It's not The White Lotus oh. I haven't caught up with that Or even started oh, it yet yeah. It is Hacks The show starring Gene Smart As a veteran comedian In Las Vegas She's like Kind of Ending her Like decades long run As like a Las Vegas Comedian She's had like A very storied Successful Career And then she gets this Kind of like I don't know Down on her luck Comedy writer To come like Work with her And Both of them at first They're not trying To work with each other Because they think that They both have like you know views on what comedy should be that they don't agree with, and also like personality-wise, generational-wise, they 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 got a lot of a lot of differences between each other. Um, I was a little skeptical (laughs) going into the show because I was like, I don't think we need another TV show about stand-up comedy, but I guess the world of Vegas uh, stand-ups is one that I that hasn't really been explored. Because um, when a stand-up gets to that point in their career, it is like they are established. They have had huge amounts of success. And at that point, they don't really need to challenge themselves. But that's kind of what the, the show is about is... Is this younger writer getting Deborah Vance, the character that uh, Jean Smart's playing, to kind of challenge herself and not just do the same old hacky routine she's been doing her whole career? And uh, Yeah, that's what I want
2: to ask. Is she yeah. just like a carrot top? Like, <laughs> real comedians don't take her seriously type comedian? Or is she like someone who's actually good who's just been coasting?
1: I would say she's someone's good who's been coasting. I mean, I, I kind of assume sort of like the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, that this is kind of inspired by Joan Rivers. Um, But like kind of, I don't know, she feels kind of like pre when that Joan Rivers documentary came out and people started like respecting her more. Um, So I think it is just, just, she's just a comedian that's been around for a long time and isn't like, (sighs) she's not cool, but she's also not, a complete joke either <laughs> like a carrot top and it looks like the show got uh, picked up for a second season which I'm, I'm glad to see i did enjoy spending time with these characters by the end of this first season and i would be down to spend some more time with them
2: yeah and you got all the support hometown heroes right
1: yeah like gene smart
0: Gene smart from
1: seattle crazy. Wendy, I've never Dup. heard of
0: this show <laughs> an <laughs> age we live in Yeah, they're have oh, not heard of this show? There are
1: too many shows
0: Is it, like, like pretty recent? Or did it come out, like, at the beginning of the year? Or, like
1: Uh, let's see Maybe When did the out? first episode air? May 13th So, relatively okay. recent I guess, I yeah
0: How HBO all the time I don't even know?
1: Yeah, I. it's weird, I I guess this only aired on HBO Max, though. It didn't actually air on HBO, which oh. I guess is a thing that they're doing now. Yeah. What are other shows? I guess, so is
0: is White Lotus an H- HBO Max only show? that what called?
1: I'm not sure.
0: Like, I, I wonder what, what are some of those HBO Max, HBO Max originals?
1: No, the White Lotus was on HBO proper. Okay. Okay.
2: Um, remember Raised by Wolves I think that's HBO Max original
0: I think I think Doom Patrol is now HBO oh, Max original Oh sure, yeah, I'm guessing that And like Titans Any oh. of the, yeah, the stuff that was on What was it called? DC Un- Unlimited Universe <laughs> I don't even know Yeah, they got all the DC stuff And that and Hacks.
1: Yep <laughs>
2: I think was the flight attendant
0: HBO Max? I think I think it was. I watched yeah, first episode. It I seemed good, that. but there's just there's too many fucking shows. Yeah, I gotta get to it, you guys. But I'm too busy reading books, <laughs> which is why my pick is the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood novel. Nice. I'm still reading. Only about a hundred pages in, but I really enjoy it. I think. I've heard people criticize this novel, being like, this ruins the movie. <laughs> Quentin just goes off on these long tangents. This whole chapter is about manics. But it's like, it's kind of perfect. Like, I rewatched, um, I don't know why this one specifically, I rewatched Death Proof a while ago, and there's like, you know, a couple scenes where they're in, like, restaurants. That just fucking go on forever I'm like this pace This is not like how a movie is paced <laughs> But that works perfectly for like a book Like a long form conversation That can just be dropping trivia
1: Yeah like, That's perfect I do feel that way about some of his movies Sometimes where he has almost like Lost sight of how movies are paced And he is like just writing a, a novel That happens to be filmed
0: Yeah Like, you know, you hear about Quentin's, like... I think currently what he said is, I'm going to do one more movie, I don't know when. Before that, I'm going to do two more books and a play. And honestly, I'm kind of excited for the uh, Tarantino book writing part of his career because I think his way of telling stories is perfectly suited for novels because he loves dropping facts, he loves going on tangents. Um... And this is perfect. Yeah, I mean, the book is basically the movie kind of, like, in a mixed-up order, sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, which I guess is something he's done, like, in Pulp Fiction. But then you just get more stuff. Like, I just read a chapter that was mostly about the Manson family, like, breaking into a house and, like, messing around. And I'm like, yeah, this is interesting. This is definitely where all his Manson research went into. Maybe he wanted to put this into the movie. But he didn't have time or whatever. So it's in the book. Um... And it's flying by, like, I'm only 100 pages in, but there's only like three, what is it, a little less than 400 pages. I feel like I'm going to finish this just, you know, pretty soon. It's a very casual, fun read. And it looks cool because it looks like an old book. Like, I think it's only available in paperback right now because he's inspired by, like, weird old uh, 70s novelizations of movies. He's like, I want to do one of those with my own movie.
2: Um, so, is there a part where he's like, and by the way, Bruce Lee, like, sucks and, like, was mean to stunt people and like, wasn't even that good at martial arts? I haven't got to
0: the Bruce Lee part. I know. It seems it's, it's interesting how that's kind of become the most controversial part of uh, all of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the treatment of Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. And a lot of debate over. Um, Mostly him debating other people. Without, no, no, I'm right. I'm right. I did my research. I don't want to talk about it. And I, I don't know if you guys heard about what he's, what he's saying. Like, Bruce Lee's daughter can take issue with it, but everyone else can suck a dick. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, that, I believe that was on the Joe Rogan podcast where he said that. Oh, well, you can say that sort of thing on Joe Rogan. <laughs> Joe Rogan is one of the guys who like uh, t- 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 took issue with the Bruce Lee portrayal in the movie. But when Quentin started like dropping like f- stuff he'd read and facts, Joe Rogan kinda quieted down because he doesn't like read books or like no facts. <laughs> so it was a very weird conversation. <laughs> kind of interesting. Kind of interesting. But I recommend the book. It's fun. Cool. And it gives you lots of good fun facts about Mannix.
1: What is Mannix? <laughs> is that like a TV show. <laughs>
0: It's a TV show about a detective. Okay. Well, but you know nobody talks
1: about it anymore. Yeah, but I mean, clearly, okay. I, I need to know more.
0: He definitely spent a handful of paragraphs talking about how hot the uh, the secretary on Mannix was. Huh. There's, some, there's some kind of pervy uh, <laughs> interludes yeah, in you know? this book, but that's just Quentin.
2: Speaking of pervy interludes uh last wednesday i had the privilege of watching a24's special screening of the green knight which came out just a little too early for us to really talk about on this podcast so i thought i'd throw it in here as a little pick uh just so i can figure out how much you guys liked it um it it was a fun little event they um the a24 app is neat in that it's just set up for these like special screenings so um like you just log into it and get to watch like a little pre-roll thing before the movie starts which in this case is Ralph uh, according to John pronounced Einsen uh, but we always read it as innocent um sitting in this cabin wearing gigantic glasses with two dogs that wear 84 (laughs) collars, talking about what kind of movie you're going into and then you get to watch the movie and then after it he like read some passages from the the poem um Altogether a pretty, uh, neat Experience for people who are into it Um For people who are not into it, like my dad Who I made go on this journey with me Uh (laughs) It was quite boring, apparently Um Which I guess I get because the movie Is, uh, deliberately Paced and full Of haunting Um Spectacular, fantastical imagery Um that it luxuriates in. It. it takes its time uh, with, with long, slow shots and long passages with minimal to no dialogue. And I guess if you're just not in the mood for that or not used to that sort of storytelling, um, it can seem quite slow and boring. Um, but this is uh, David Lowry, who also made a ghost story, so I was much more prepared for what we were getting into, I think. Um and I really enjoyed watching this movie, which I guess if you've never heard it at all, it's about Deb Patel playing Sir Garwin, a uh, sort of knight, uh, a, a cousin of King Arthur's, or no, a, a nephew of King Arthur's, uh, who uh, takes it upon himself to do this weird challenge, and uh, she gets she gets she she goes wild, gets into know, a sticky
0: situation, say. if you know what I mean. <laughs>
2: Very sticky.
0: You know uh, what I mean? Huh? I'm nudging you yeah, over. It's gross.
2: On. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about that part. Um, <laughs> also uh, Alicia Vicander's in it in multiple roles. Uh Joel Edgerton shows up because we haven't seen him in a while. Uh, both the parents from The Witch are in this. Um, and Sean Harris, the bad guy from the recent Mission Impossible movies uh but it's king arthur that's a very very old king arthur um and i liked it i don't i, I wouldn't say
0: that i loved it but i liked Greek were you satisfied with the amount of fantasy that you got to experience <laughs> oh yeah sure yeah there was i uh... think it's just the right amount almost to the point where you can question like was you just like Fucking trim balls Like was all that real <laughs> shit Like when he ate those mushrooms Is that why he saw giants Or he, like you like Actually see giants what The fuck At least that's me When I'm watching it
1: <laughs> No that makes sense Yeah I like that There's just like A spare amount of fantasy So you don't really know What Elements are gonna <laughs> Pop up Like Like those giant yeah. people I didn't see that coming
0: I think for me why I love this movie so much Is is the ending Which I assume some people Don't like But I feel like it does a great job Of like Learning to accept Like a path that you've chosen Like You know In a graceful kind of way Without spoiling too much By saying that
1: Like I love that ending How'd you guys feel about the ending? Uh, Yeah, I liked it, too. I thought it was cool. I don't don't know how much to say about it, but yeah, I liked it.
2: And I thought it was fine. A little too ambiguous for me.
0: What do you mean? (laughs) How is it ambiguous?
2: Is he saying the scratch... Is off with your head, or is he then going to chop his head off for real? He's going to fucking chop his head off. But is he, though? Yes! Because he does the little scratch
0: thing. What well, little scratch? What are you talking about?
2: He, like, uh, scrapes his, his finger across his neck.
0: The last line of the movie is off with his head.
2: Yeah, right after he does that
0: thing. He's going to chop his head off, Sean. He's accepted that. He, he looked at what his life could have been if he like lived with the, li- like, the lie and the shame and he's he's chosen the honorable path of like, you know, a knight should choose. to fucking chop his head off.
2: Yeah, but th- in making that choice did he actually save his life? No. No, I think it's about coming to terms with that. But coming to terms with the fact he sucks so bad you got to die.
0: Well, just that's the, that's the choice he made. He's got to be a man about it. It's trying to find like a happy Like a happy ending for getting your head chopped off Like being okay (laughs) with it
1: Yeah At least that's why I like it I I mean I think you can read it In an ambiguous way if you want to But I think I did come to the same Conclusion that John did But like I don't know
0: I think the only reason they don't show his head Getting chopped off again is because They showed his head rolling off Earlier and I feel like it would kind of lessen that final Scene. If he got his, if, if the movie ended with his head getting chopped off again,
2: I to me I it mean, it it's more powerful to not do it. That um, this is a movie where he is constantly offered, uh, you know, uh, moral decisions, and he usually makes the wrong choice. And then for it for it to all add up to, he makes the right choice finally, and then he fucking dies. That bums me out. I would. I'm much more interested. Oh yeah, it's in- it's absolutely
0: a bummer. That's what's. That's what it's like being a knight, being an honorable man, about accepting your responsibility.
1: The old times sucked. All right. <laughs> yeah, honor. He mattered. had some fun along the way. There were times where you would just get killed and people were like, yes, this was the best outcome.
0: <laughs> Plus look at his path, look at his life the other way. look at his life if he doesn't get his head chopped off. It sucks too. It sucks that way. At least he gets to die um, with some dignity. Yeah, but
2: I think there's also a third path where like he gets a, a second shot at life having
0: seen that vision. But it wouldn't be as powerful. I feel like the head chopping off ending is, like, oh fuck, how many movies end like that? It's true. That's the ending you remember.
2: But it's also I like. There's a lot of Christian themes, and you know, there's redemption in Christ, right?
0: I mean, a lot of Christians are willing to die for their what they believe in. At least they used to be like that. <laughs> No, I mean, I understand where you come from And I, I I get that I'm just I don't know, I just felt differently
2: anyway Did you guys know that David Lowry voices the fox?
0: No <gasps> Man, I, see, I was looking that up and I was like Who the fuck does it? I, I For some reason I thought it was also um, King Arthur For some reason, I don't know That actor has that kind of like uh, Creepy guy voice <laughs> Yeah Yeah What's that guy's name? Sean Harris. Sean Harris. He's in a great horror movie called Possum, where he's a disgraced children's performer who's being stalked by a horrible puppet he made. Highly recommend it. Possum, check it out. He's also McDuff in that uh,
2: Macbeth movie that was just a precursor to the Assassin's Creed movie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, check this shit out. That, that, that's what it was for.
1: Yeah. Oh, believe it or not, <laughs> believe it or not, we're talking about Ripley, uh, the talented Mr. Ripley. Um, I guess before we get into talking about the movie, I'll get give a little bit of background on this character and uh, his creation. Um, so he was... Well, he's... he's, he's made appearances in a bunch of books written by patricia highsmith who i suppose is most famous for uh having two of her other books adapted in two movies uh, one of them being strangers on a train the other being carol i kind of like that this movie is it, like tonally kind of in between those two movies away um and uh, yeah
2: it's a it's a gay romance it also is a murder movie
1: yeah it's it's fun oh yeah um so patricia highsmith she initially got her start writing comic books in the 1940s (gasps) uh none of none of the comic books she wrote for were ones i've heard of but um seems like Mm. she was pretty prolific uh writing in that vein. Um, Do you know what genre of
0: comics she wrote? Uh, it like mystery comics? Romance comics?
1: I don't know. Let's see. Hawkman? <laughs> I, just, I would have to go in depth. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, it's like she contributed to it to Black Terror, fighting Yank comics. Uh, oh, there you uh, go. USA comics, fighting Yank comics, yeah. is like
0: Civil War comics. It was like pretty recent back. Then. I mean,
1: this was during World War II. Um, yeah, looks like this is like super patriotic <laughs> superheroes. Oh, so
0: like so, like war comics.
1: Uh, yeah, because it started oh, wow. in 1941, and I think that yeah, that's around when she started uh, writing comic books. This is fun. Yeah, superheroes like Miss Victory, Miss America, The Star-Spangled Kid, U.S. Jones, The Flag, Captain Flag, and Yankee and Doodle. Where
0: are are all these movies? Yeah, I know. Uh, This one's called Mermaids on the Golf Course. (laughs) Oh, wait, I think this is a short story collection. Still, where's the movie?
1: All right, cool. She's cool. Uh, yeah. She's... Interesting. <laughs> um, so, yeah, her first published novel was Strangers on a Train. That was released in 1950. And so, I guess it would have been made into that Hitchcock movie like a year or two later. Yeah, that was 1951. I think Hitchcock, like, scooped up the rights because she was, like, an unknown at the time. And so it was, it's, like... Super cheap To get the rights to that movie And then I think I'm not sure if it was her next novel But it was shortly after that That she did write The Price of Salt Which uh, Is the book that Carol was Eventually based on Um, But she wrote that Under a pseudonym Claire Morgan Because Um Patricia Highsmith was a lesbian and kind of spent a a lot of her life kind of grappling with being a a semi-famous person who's gay. Like I know she had like a few male boyfriends but a a lot of them were kind of just like covers (laughs) Um, who, who she would be seeing sort of publicly and then she would date women on the side I I don't I don't feel the need to, to um, delve too much into her personal life but I I feel like there are some parallels between her and Tom Ripley, which kind of makes sense that she just loved that character. Like, it was her favorite character to write. Like, she lived in Europe um, for much of her life. Um,
0: Wait, where was she originally from? I missed that. uh, She was
1: from New York. Um, Okay. Yeah. Um, So I guess, I don't know, just, just the whole aspect of her kind of living sort of a a double life which which is you know very specific to that era of being queer it's just like it's not something you could have out in the open but you kind of have to you know (laughs) hide that from the public especially when you're a semi-famous person although it kind of seems like she was a little more well-regarded in europe than in the u.s Um, Anyways, um, so most of her books were uh, in, in kind of the psychological thriller genre or, or suspense, which The Price of Salt was definitely not. I mean, it was, it was kind of a breakthrough in, in uh, the honesty it brought to lesbian fiction and also was like the first lesbian novel to have a happy ending. Um, <laughs> I, God, I, I yeah. I guess I just assume th- th- those are always doomed romances. I, I guess just because of the nature of the times, unfortunately. Um, but in 1955, she wrote *The Talent of Mr. Ripley*. Uh, she conceived the character as this sort of suave agreeable likable but also utterly immoral guy who is just a a total con man a serial killer and will manipulate people as much as he needs to and and yet kind of has this demeanor of just like a a regular guy that that everybody like is kind of charmed by uh and it seems Uh, like
2: you're a typical dexter morgan
1: um. Pretty much, yeah.
2: <laughs> Except and, about the creepy internal monologue.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't think the books are written in first person. <laughs> um. So there have been a number of adaptations of The Talented Mr. Ripley, as as well as some of the other uh, Ripley books. The first was a, I guess, one hour one-off TV series uh, or I guess it was for the TV series Studio One which I assume is I don't know how they, how they would do like adaptations of plays and shit on early TV that was like live but that was uh, directed by Franklin J. Schaffner who I believe that's the Planet of the Apes guy he do Patton also it sure is yeah Uh, But no recordings of that uh, adaptation exist anymore, because early television, baby. Um, Another kind of famous adaptation of the Talented Mr. Ripley is Purple Noon, which is a French film. It was kind of Alain Delon's, like, breakout role. It's in the Criterion Collection, so maybe I'll review it next year for... (laughs) criterion month um i think that one's notable because it it has kind of like a a more morally pure ending in that he doesn't get away with it at the end i'm I'm not sure how he's sort of trapped or or brought to justice but uh
2: that lines up with all the other Elaine Delon movies I've seen.
1: Yeah.
0: So, not not to jump ahead, but is this is uh, the talented Mr. Ripley, uh, the '90s one, more faithful,
1: or is Purple Noon more faithful to the novel? I'm not sure. Do you know, I I couldn't. Okay. That's not something I was able to really uncover in my research. I mean, obviously, yeah. I, yeah. The the they changed the ending in that one. It also feels a little hard to buy... Uh, (laughs) Elaine Delon is like this guy who could just blend in and impersonate anyone because he's just like so, so handsome. (laughs) But I guess Matt Damon is to an extent, too. Um, I mean, I I guess we'll get into it, but I I am aware that the 90s version of The Talented Mr. Ripley does seem to make quite a few changes um, from the book. Um, most notably that um, Ripley being gay is never, like, overtly addressed in the book. It's kind of hinted at, and then it's, and it seemed like Patricia Highsmith kind of (laughs) insinuated in interviews that, like, maybe he was bi, or maybe he was, a closeted gay person but it was just never really addressed and then in the later books I think he he does get married to a woman so that's a big change another thing is the Kate Blanchett character is not in the book she was completely just creative for the movie I'm, I'm not really sure why but I like that she's there <laughs> I, I, I think the story she's is Carol she is Carol <laughs> Didn't think about that It's all connected There's a connection Yeah, so I'm not sure which which is more faithful Um, Also Have you seen this movie The American Friend John, the Wim Wenders movie
0: Oh, with Dennis Hopper? Yeah, Yeah.
1: so he's playing Ripley in that Uh, Dennis Hopper Really? Yeah that, that's an adaptation yeah. of Ripley's Game, which was, uh, I, think, really? I think, like the third Ooh. book. Yeah. But I think Wim Menders was like, Ripley's Game's a stupid title.
2: <laughs> is he also being trained to command an intergalactic army to fight in a super. <laughs> in that one? That's an Ender's Game.
0: This
1: is an Ender's Game. <laughs> um, I mean, I'd be surprised.
0: Well, you haven't read it, though, have you?
1: Yeah, you can't say no. (laughs) Yeah, I can't. I can't (laughs) definitively say no. I haven't read any of these books. Uh, But I am kind of intrigued to at least read this first one, maybe. Someday.
0: So, uh, do you know how many of those books there were? Were Is there, like, a lot, or is there, like, five?
1: There is exactly five.
0: Okay, that's a good guess.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Taken together, they are known as the Ripley ad
0: And were <laughs> they, they wrote in,
1: in close succession or over a long period of time? It doesn't seem like it I would have to look it up But it seems like the first uh, Ripley book Which is this one That was written in 1955 And then the second one, Ripley Underground Which, that was 1970 oh, cool. Or he goes punk. (laughs) He's going underground. Yep. Going to space. Going underground. He's doing it all. So yeah, Ripley's game was seventy four. The boy who followed Ripley was nineteen eighty, and Ripley underwater was nineteen (laughs) ninety one. This guy
2: can't above anything. He's always under
1: stuff. (laughs) He's gotta hide out, Shoddy. He's sneaky. He's He's killed a lot of people, I assume. So yeah uh, I guess Ripley's game was also made into a 2002 movie Where John Malkovich plays Ripley So Definitely seems like wow. Ripley ages what? throughout these books <laughs> Okay 70s Dennis he's Hopper He's not playing young John, He's John not Malkovich. like in a play. A. Yeah
2: Do you think they're like uh, you know we can't get Matt Damon back. Let's get the other guy from Randers, and there was just a mix-up.
1: <laughs> yeah, that is... I'm here to play I didn't even think Still of it. that. That is accent. fucking weird that they made the third one three years after adapting this first one. They just skipped the second one. Second one sucks, dude. We all know it. Uh, sure. There, as far as I know, there aren't any adaptations. Although the Wikipedia
2: page has the lamest book cover I've ever seen. It's just, it's just <laughs> like it's a light tan brown, and then it's like a dark brown. So it's like, get it? It's like underground. Like there's the ground, and it's under it. The come on, if you can judge a book by a cover, which I think you're not supposed to, but if you can, this is the lamest book
0: ever read yeah, I think you're right. Which one are we talking about? Which book?
1: This is Ripley, Ripley underground, underground, the second one.
0: Okay, Which? I'm looking at Ripley's Game, Ripley Underground book cover. Oh God, is this this orange and kind of like beige one. Yeah. Yep. So we got dirt all over it. <laughs> yeah, because he's underground. Because <laughs> oh, he's, uh, he's underground. Yeah. So now we had Ripley's him like tunneling game. underground. Yeah. Now that would have been fun. Like game. I love the cover to Ripley's Game. Yeah, it's like look at all this like
2: sneaky shit in his yeah. desk. He's got some is great weird-looking money. Some
0: pliers. Yes. I'm looking up this other movie. It looks like it's it's well liked Um, mm. it's got Doug Gray Scott. You guys remember Doug Gray Scott, the yeah. guy who 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 was all, was cast as Wolverine in the original X-Men, but then had to do, turn it down because it conflicted with his schedule doing Mission Impossible Two. Huh. It's just insane. Mm-hmm. Wasn't That's he all also that prevented going him.
2: to be James Bond before they cast Daniel Craig? Well, okay. that could be. Well, this guy really fucked up. <laughs> this guy really fucked up.
0: <laughs> but he's got second billing in Ripley's game. Yeah. <laughs> and people seem to like it. So he's got that to be proud of at least. Yeah. Good
1: for him. Yeah. Um but the world's but. the world's not done with Ripley. There is a Showtime <gasps> series in development. Oh. it's just called. Makes sense because they made Dexter. Yeah. <laughs> it's just called Ripley. Uh,
2: yeah, just like Dexter. Oh, my. I called yeah, this one.
1: Yeah. It's supposed to be created by Steve Zalian. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, he's a big shot screenwriter. And it's. We definitely talked about him
0: on the podcast. Ooh.
1: For. Irishman maybe
0: I believe Something? it <laughs> That sounds right-ish Is yeah. Malkovich coming back
1: <laughs> That'd be sweet <laughs> I don't know who he would be Because from the plot description On the Showtime website It sounds like they are just Adapting the talent of Mr. Ripley Oh wait you said a Showtime? Yeah Showtime
0: I'm never going to watch
2: this show
1: Yeah I know but John, either.
2: Maybe Colin said this. Did you hear who's playing Tom Ripley in this? No. It's Andrew Scott,
0: the sexy priest. I love Andrew Scott. Uh, he was great on that one black mirror that I don't know if anyone's seen. But he was yeah. good. And he's really, I'm really bad. I trouble like, gauging how old Ripley's supposed to be. I mean, I guess he like ages <laughs> over the course of these books, but like, it's hard to get a sense. Yeah.
2: It really seems like he's got to be in his early 20s
1: Well, he's graduated from college It Seems like he's a few years removed from college Okay, mid-20s Although then again he I guess he didn't actually go to Princeton with the Jude Law character So who knows The man's a mystery That's his thing That's true
2: how' do you feel about that aspect of the movie that they kind of just introduce you to him as the Grift is starting
0: I like it I like yeah. right from the beginning where you don't really know who this guy is because that's kind of Tom Ripley's like identity is that he is like a, a misleading person so you never even get to know who he is from the start I think that's what makes him appealing he's he's whoever he uh you know he wants to be cool yeah it is cool i like it And he loves jazz he loves a lot of good sh- jazz in this movie but also he had to learn to love jazz <laughs> i guess everybody loved or not everybody cool liked jazz back then i didn't realize until like an hour in that this movie took place in the 50s i felt really stupid <laughs> i just thought what did you think okay i place? just
3: thought
0: i just thought see well it's tough because it's like a lot of it's in italy and like you know, in the old country, they're like, "Fuck all this recent bullshit." And I just he thought, takes like, people are just so fancy, you know. But he takes uh, a ship. <laughs> well, I figured it out eventually. <laughs> you know, it, um, God, it was a weird moment. This, you know, this not to go on a tangent. Yeah, go for it. But you guys remember um, the like when Superbad was coming out? I'm pretty sure I've told this before, and like. Based off all the trailers, I was convinced it took place in, like, the early 80s. Because it's got, like, Mm. you know, Jonah Hill's wearing that old, tiny shirt. It's got Panama in the trailer. Yeah. And, like, the first scene of that movie is them talking about, like, internet porn, like, over the phone. And I was so... I thought I was, like, in a dream for a minute. (laughs) It felt so weird. I've never sat down in a movie and been that surprised by anything. (laughs) I was like, What? This is in the past What the fuck How did I know this It just It blew my mind That I had no idea That it was in modern day Until I was watching it In the theater So I mean Based off of that experience It's not Surprising I guess That I watched this And I was like What's going
1: on Are they just too fancy To use like cell phones (laughs) So did you think it was Taking place in 1999
0: yeah, for like a half hour.
1: Okay, half hour. Wow, right. but he took
0: a
3: ship. <laughs> so different, fancy shot.
1: I'm fast. Is there anything more romantic girl. than
0: taking a ship to Italy? It's well, what was um, Jude Law's dad's job again? Was he in like, shipping or something?
2: Yeah, he's like in shipping.
0: So maybe I thought, like, oh, so he's in shipping, so he got a good deal on a ship. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'm in shipping. You can take one of my personal ships to go get my dumbass son back. I think that's how my brain was kind of... All, of I mean, also, you know, the, the $1,000 thing. Does that not bother you?
2: you it just did getting seem paid a little 000.
0: low. <laughs> I was like, that's it? Well, I figured, like... Tom Ripley, like, has nothing Like, he's, he's a con <laughs> artist, so like, he's like He'll take anything He's just looking for his next, you know His next score, no matter how big or small I
1: mean, to be fair so hustler. It is a sweet job Like, I would, I would go to Italy You know, for free To just, like, pal around with this guy Who likes jazz And just, like, kind of slowly convince him To come back home Like, it's a good gig No matter how much you get paid you, you gotta,
2: you gotta get, you gotta work on your negotiating skills. <laughs>
1: this guy is super rich. It is
0: true. You're worth more than a thousand dollars. I know. It's I just, just figured that Ripley was like sort of naive too. That's,
1: that's
0: yeah, true. like he's 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 manipulative, but also he can be easily swayed when people like him,
1: mm-hmm.
0: or when he thinks people like him, because he's desperate for attention. And and, and that's and
2: that's a part of the movie that I think my um familiarity with the genre kind of worked against it um because I mean there's there's a there's a part pretty early on where uh Tom tells Dickie like everything that's going on he's like your dad hired me I didn't actually go to Princeton like he he lays it all out there and having watched like uh, enough like con movies and heist movies um I know that like oh well, well that's just that's just part of the bluff you know if you if you you, you can earn the mark's trust by revealing some truths and then you keep the real truths hidden uh especially <laughs> given the way that the movie starts but then as it plays out like no that that's actually seems pretty sincere in retrospect he, he just really liked that guy and wanted to be friends with him or more yeah
1: yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know if I see him as like a a master manipulator. It seems like because this is sort of his origin story, it's something that he kind of just fell into and f- found that he had a knack for uh, stealing identities, I guess. Cuz mm-hmm. he definitely didn't go into it with the intent of of, of taking over Dickie's life basically. It's just like this weird infatuation he had kind of drove him to it.
2: Yeah, which is just something I never trusted because I was always like, "He knows what he's doing." (laughs) Uh, It wasn't until the end of the movie it's like, "I I guess he really was just making it up." Yeah.
0: I like that. I feel like it made the movie unpredictable. Or maybe I'm just (laughs) not very clever in following the beats of this movie, because I don't know about you guys, I don't know how much you knew going into this movie, but I will say, I had no idea where it was going, and I did not expect it to be like he was going to murder uh, Jude Law. Did you guys...
1: No I feel like pretty early on that that was going to happen No idea I assumed Jude Law I, was going to be in this movie be. for quite a bit of it I guess because I just watched the trailer before I chose this as a pick And Jude Law's just like in the whole trailer <laughs> And the trailer only shows the first half of the movie basically uh, I, I think
0: I thought this movie was going to be about Jude Law Doing sneaky criminal-like stuff And Matt Damon just kind of getting roped along for the ride And be like, oh shit, we're getting in deeper and deeper and I'm in this too. Not, he's going to be like an agent of chaos.
2: I was convinced it was the Love Triangle movie. Um, I was watching this last night and I was very tired. So I stopped um, when they go on the trip to uh, Venice, maybe. Um, You know, after they met Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm -hmm. And and there's the creepy scene where Matt Damon's uh, watching Jude Long and have sex. And Philip Seymour Hoffman's like... You getting a good peek. Um, yeah. And then I, I was really tired, so I turned off there. So I, I was pretty shocked today when I turned the movie back on, and it turned into a real murder fest mm-hmm. uh, as things concluded. Uh, and that was nice, because I, I was kind of like, I was going to talk about, like, I'm not really interested in vacation porn right now with you guys <laughs> after having watched, like, the trip trilogy last year. Uh, but this turned out to really not be vacation porn after uh, after I came back.
1: I mean not uh, really great. I mean it's like a it is weird. like it is a fun film to look at because the locations are so like beautiful and breathtaking <laughs> and like it clearly it's it's a lavish production, definitely kind of feels very of that era of the late nineties like Oscar-y Miramax movies. Yeah. But it's also uh, like as as Matt Damon talks
2: about, the mid budget movie that he loves that basically doesn't get made anymore.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time it, it's like a lot darker and more sinister than uh, <laughs> than, you know, your your goodwill huntings and your your Shakespeare's in love.
0: I feel like even if I'd known anything about Patricia Highsmith going in That would have spoiled it But the fact that I didn't know that I'd never seen a trailer to this movie So I didn't know it was going to be a murder mystery And then later like Some people think he's this guy Other people think he's this guy Which provides me (laughs) with Doubtfire moments You know like in that scene in his Doubtfire Where he's at the dinner Yeah like there's a scene kind
1: of midway in the movie Where he's at the opera after he's uh, He's killed Dickie and he runs into. Does uh... he run into Cate Blanchett? I think he does.
2: No, he's he's there with Kate. Blanchett. Oh, he's there and with he Kate. He runs Del- into right, yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow. That's that's, right. that's also when he meets. Um,
0: Pita. Oh, that is that the uh, the the guy from Pirates of the Caribbean? Yep. Yes, that's all I know him from as that asshole from Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs>
2: He is part of the elite crew of people who have terrible Wikipedia
0: pictures. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I I gotta find... What's his name? Jack
2: Davenport. Go ahead and look him up. Jack
0: Davenport.
2: Got a picture of him uh, mid-sentence, very unflattering, and then if you scroll down, there's like a blurry, out-of-focus picture of him walking.
0: (laughs) Okay, just 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 to take a minute. What's your guys' uh, all time favorite bad Wikipedia uh, photo of a celebrity? Well, it's gone now though, so you can't see it. I feel like we might have the same one, Sean. What is it? Craig Robinson. Yeah, a hundred percent Craig Robinson. It's him walking in profile, so much motion
1: blur. But yeah, this Jack Davenport thing is is terrible. It's just bad because like. We just watched him in this movie And he's so young and dashing And he looks so he old up. in this picture <laughs> And then the other one He's just like You know, he just looks like he hasn't cut his hair in a while And it's You know, he's, he's mid Like walking away <laughs> And someone just snapped a photo of him And the people in the background aren't even looking at him which makes it seem like they're just like not that impressed That Jack imports here
2: Now that I've looked at this More he kind of looks like John Worcester In this picture for some reason He's got the John Worcester hair I guess
1: Yeah Yeah he does
0: I remember Steve Perry from Journey Used to have a really bad one it was like He's just like walking in a crowd talking on a cell phone It looks like it was taken by a stalker <laughs> Fantastic. Maybe someone's trying to pull a a, a Ripley on him. Mm -hmm. Believe it or not. (laughs) Uh, I believe it. I I believe it. Um, hope we didn't disrupt
1: uh, how you're. If you you were going to go through the plot, I really wasn't sure if I want to go through the plot. We've kind of covered some of the plot ship. points we
0: did kind of cover it in our own way
1: yeah like you know we covered he's just this guy in new york he gets hired by this rich uh ship magnet who gets him a sweet oh. possibly
0: the 1950s speaking of <laughs>
2: yeah so um so the dad is played by james reborn And Matt Damon has to do an impression Of James Uh, Rebhorn That has to be so uncanny Everyone's like oh my god it's like it's in the movie How well do you think he did that impression And is he the only person in the world That does a James Rebhorn impression
1: Yeah I'm gonna say yes It's not impressive But like how do you even do A James Rebhorn impression (laughs) So like he does the best he can Under the circumstances I yeah, solid. I give it to him. Yeah, Depends I saw a b plus. It's yeah, it's yeah. it's plus. passable. I wasn't like, Haha, I mean, nice James Reborn. <laughs> you, you fuck.
2: Nice, <laughs> got him. Yeah, well, you would never be like that because he's from Philly, so you got to
0: protect the legacy. <laughs> James Reborn is. Yeah, well, yeah. I'll be damned. I feel like he could come up again.
1: Yeah, I mean, he could come up again
0: on this. He's one of those guys. He just shows up. He's definitely one of those guys. And it was actually kind of nice to see him in a bigger role. Yeah. Because um, I feel like he's the kind of guy... I mean, he probably plays, like, a lot of dads, but, like, dads that have, like, one scene or like... This, this is a dad. Kind myth. of, like, like agents in the background. and Yeah. But he's he's very good. He's a very good actor.
2: You know what his very next role was after this? He played the president in The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. <laughs>
0: Oh, okay. okay. Robert
2: De Niro. Yeah. yeah. Rocky oh, wasn't
0: he also in Meet the Parents with Robert De Niro?
2: Oh my God, you're right. That's his. That's the role after that. <laughs> Were they buddies? That was what he did in 2000. Bullwinkle
0: and Parents. <laughs> Last thing I remember seeing him in was Sleep uh, Sleepwalk with me, as uh, Michael Bickley's dad.
1: Mm. Hush. He's good.
2: Yeah. He, I mean, he died during the production of. Uh one of the seasons of Homeland so they had to kill him off on the show
1: Mm.
2: so that's what I think
0: of because like most of the other people in leading roles are like pretty A-list I don't know how A-list Philip Seymour Hoffman was for the time but those three leads I mean that that's pretty hot for the time I would imagine
1: yeah I mean this is coming off them all being in like big Oscar movies like Matt had kind of broken through uh, with Goodwill Hunting. And then Shakespeare in Love was the year before. And then Cape Blanchett had Elizabeth. And I think, like, they were all either filming those movies or, like, in talks to do The Talent of Mr. Ripley when they were doing those movies. So it is, yeah, kind of around the time that all three of them are starting to pop. Um, Jude Law had done *Existence*. Oh Future yeah, <laughs> I mean Jude Law was a little more—I don't know—not not quite as big, but
0: he had some notable. I mean, he was in *Gattaca*. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. Which is pretty good. I mean, he was definitely like—he um, was like a su- superstar, but he was—he was on the rise for sure. He was definitely something like he was hot new thing. Yeah. I think he, didn't he get Oscar nominated for this movie? He yeah. did.
1: Yeah, which I think is well deserved. He's he's quite good in it. Very. I was actually kind of
0: surprised this movie didn't get didn't get more Oscar nominations. I know that was like the most apparently most stacked year in the history of film. I guess. (laughs) Yeah. But um, it didn't get as
1: much as you would think. It's just a little too twisted. I was surprised it didn't get a Best Picture. (laughs) Too twisted for the kid. Yeah. Although, this was the same decade that uh. Silence of the Lambs won Best Picture, so it's it's possible you can get twisted and win some some Oscars.
0: I'm gonna see what 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 were the Best Picture nominees that year? Uh, okay, so American Beauty, which I feel like everyone questions <laughs> no now whether it's good it's or whether well. we can still
1: like it. I mean, I yeah. it seems like um, this movie has, in in my mind, aged better than that one <laughs> by a, quite a bit.
2: Well, but that one also has um, a, stink <laughs> a on very it.
1: canceled man, yes, at the center <laughs> of it.
0: Okay, and then we got Cider House Rules, Oof. which is fine. Yeah. That's not, it's not that good. I go it Cider. only exists to be nominated for Oscars. Pretty much. It, I don't know. I wasn't that impressed by it. Green Mile. Okay, I like the Green Mile. You guys like the Green Mile?
1: I have not seen it. Oh, maybe. I'm going to pick it someday.
0: You know for me That's one of those movies Where like It's one of like The longest movies That for me That doesn't feel long mm-hmm. It's 189 minutes But I feel like I've seen it Multiple and times And 45 minutes of that
2: Are Tom Hanks Trying to pee And not <laughs> <the other. laughs> to pee
0: <laughs> Cause he's got uh, uh, Like kidney stones Or some sort of problem Down there right. uh, That part is pretty uncomfortable <laughs> Good movie Great movie um,
1: the Insider. I've which I seen have it. it. I haven't seen. Good movie. I like it. Okay. Maybe it doesn't need to be three hours long, but it's good. Oh, well, is that also? Yeah, it's a long one. Yeah, like this movie just wasn't long enough. <laughs> no, it's like there it's kind of long. It's like two hours and. 20 and then
0: uh, Six Sense, which is cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah, from, from the like the Beach that. Guy. I think Talented Mr. Ghibli is definitely better than Cider House Rules. Get that shit out of here. Yeah. I believe it. That, that won Michael Caine his um, second uh, Oscar, right? Or won him a Oscar. I'm, I don't remember how many times he won I the I think that part. was second. In a category where I wish every other person had one instead of him.
1: <laughs> Who else was Because you man? got
0: a really interesting field in the supporting actor category that year. Hilly Joel Osmond for Six cents, Great. Love it. Jude Law. Great. Love it for for this. Michael Clark Duncan Green Mile. Great. Love it. And Tom Cruise for Magnolia. Mm. All awesome performances. Uh. And you give it to Michael Caine because he's old. And he's only that's got one. It's we-
1: weird to do the... Career achievement Oscar for so has acid Oscar. You know what's so tough? I can't
0: even pick who I would pick instead. I would pick everyone above him, but I don't know who I would settle on. It's I, th- I think I think, it's, I think I would go Michael Clark Duncan.
2: I think it's very weird to think that there is another movie in nineteen ninety nine that also had Philip Baker Hall and Philip Seymour Hoffman.
1: <laughs> Was that Magnolia? Yeah, only has
0: both those guys in it. That's wild. I mean, Existence also came out in
1: '99. Yeah, But no
0: Oscar left for that. <laughs> I don't even know how to say it.
1: I mean, it seems like you're he's saying it right. right here. Yeah, he's just, he's gonna Existence. lean into it's that. A cap- Z it's a, ca- a bit. Ca-
0: capital X, capital Z. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, so I, I don't even know how you do that. <laughs>
0: Um, but yeah, Jude Law so good in this movie. Um, super asshole, but also super charming at the same time. Oh, yeah,
1: mm-hmm. you want to be Just like the young pope? <laughs> Just like the young pope. One could only assume. Right.
0: Matt Damon also very good, at peak. Cute, but also kind of nerdy. Which I gotta go on one of my tangents, you guys. Okay, because I was thinking about something, and yeah. you know, I saw Matt Damon in those big glasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you guys remember that Ben Affleck Mango sketch? Yeah. Where you? Well, first of all, you guys remember Mango? Of, from of, S- of course. I was, I was thinking yep. about Mango yesterday for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> um. Because in that sketch, because if you got for anyone who's forgotten what Mango was. <laughs> uh mango was a very flamboyant character and all these dashing men would always be super drawn to mango it was they couldn't quite explain it and they try to have mango but mango says you can't have the mango (laughs) and ben affleck fell for mango uh but mango didn't like ben affleck so ben affleck pretended to be matt damon and he put on like a wig and he put on big glasses and like would do like this weird like little face trying to look like matt damon and this is like the only movie where I can think of Matt Damon having that look. I definitely thought about it. So I feel it. like
1: like when he kind of purses his lips out a
0: little bit.
3: <laughs> yes,
0: I guess that's like what he's been doing the do the Mr. the Tom Ripley look. Yeah. And then I was also thinking about like, man, like is Mango still good? Do people remember Mango? So I wanted I was wondering if um, if Gen Z knew about <laughs> Mango. So I talked to a friend of the podcast, Autumn, because she has uh, Gen Z sisters. Mm -hmm. And I said, Autumn, do you think your sisters know who Mango is? And then Autumn says, who's Mango? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if millennials know who Mango is. So I guess Mango is so forgotten that even though Mango was on SNL around the time that we were like, you know, 10, 11 or whatever. Yeah. People have totally forgotten about Mango. Yeah, I mean, I was hoping it would be the the kind of the thing would be like, Mango is to Gen Z like, Goat Boy is to our generation where it's like, we kind of don't really remember him a little bit before our time, mm-hmm. but now that theory was was thrown out the window. <laughs> what I'm saying is we need to bring back Mango, you guys. <laughs> um, it's not fair. Chris Catan did nothing wrong. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like he's not a presence in. Pop culture, right now, in any yeah. way. Oh, yeah. He it seems like also, a perfectly nice guy. You know who else needs Mr. Peepers? So let's get <laughs> Mr. Peepers back. To oh, it. or do you guys remember Sewell Forrester?
1: Yeah. He's I the guy who named? would, like. Yes, I do.
0: His thing was like he'd, he'd talk he'd like gibberish, like he'd be like a lawyer. Mm-hmm. He'd be like, but nobody could, like, understand him. It is
1: crazy that he. Had so many characters And he was such a presence on the Late 90s uh, SNL But then he just he just <laughs> Couldn't make the transition To post-SNL career I guess it's the, the Dana Carvey Syndrome
0: I bet even if you ask people Who are the Night at the Roxbury guys They'd probably say uh, Will Ferrell, Jim Carrey <laughs> And some other guy I don't know, like Jimmy Fallon, maybe. Yeah, like Jimmy Fallon, right? Is that right? Mm -hmm. I'm just saying we need to bring back Chris (laughs) Catan. We need to start a fan club. We call ourselves the
1: the Settlers of Catan because we're just settling. (laughs) We're just settling. Okay, we just want a little more recognition. Yeah, I thought you were gonna go like where the Catan stands or something. I mean, that makes a lot, makes a lot more sense than whatever I came up with. Yeah. Settlers of Catan. Uh,
0: I don't know. It's- also, I'm going to find out when that Ben Affleck SNL sketch was. Ben Affleck SNL. Um, 2000, February 2000. Yep. Checks
1: out. All right. He was doing the Ripley. Believe it or not. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so I think at this point we're not going to be able to get through the plot. <laughs> so all we've got to Sorry. is him getting on that boat.
2: Um, he got on the boat, John. It can't be nineteen ninety nine.
1: Yeah. All right. So he gets on the is boat. The dude's a shipping dude. A, it's fancy. It makes sense. Like I buy John's explanation, <laughs> even though I had no doubt in my mind that this was either the. 40s or 50s. Well, I guess it would have had have in the 50s, just because of the type of jazz Jude Law's into. He's into like beatbox. I, I, th- I think Parker Parker I thought also,
0: yeah, also like it was just like a stylistic, th- a stylistic throwback because the movie even kind of opens with like, like a late 50s, early 60s kind of like opening credits thing where like. There's like a lot of boxes, kind of like a Saul Bassy kind of thing, and like there's that part where the movie's like you don't know what the title's gonna be, like keeps flashing all these words before it settles on talented. Like it could be like the the angry Mr. Ripley or the incredible Mr. I don't know what's gonna be. It's always full of surprises. That's true. It definitely felt like. It totally felt like a remake of an older movie Or like this would be like You could use this same script and make it in the past I guess probably you wouldn't have as much of the the gay stuff If you'd made it in like the early 60s But it really felt like a throwback
1: In a way that I liked Yeah, the score It has like a lot of Whatever that mallet instrument is It's like the vibraphone or something That's just like pure Oh yeah You know, the Saul Bass Type of 50s the Mad Men fifties, where people are just being cool. Um, yeah, I don't. am not familiar with
0: this composer, but was, he's good. Gabriel Yared.
1: Yeah, you know. I will he's say
0: a handful of collabs with Anthony Minghella.
1: Talking about the music, I did notice, like after, um, Ripley does like his research on all the the jazz records that uh, that Dicky likes seems like people are only listening to different Miles Davis albums in the background like when they go into that record shop and I also noticed there's a scene where uh, Tom goes to um, Gwyneth Paltrow's character's apartment, Meredith uh, and there's a Miles Davis LP sitting on a shelf and it's an 80s Miles Davis album Whoa. <laughs> so there's a little goof you, for the, you the, I wonder the if that's The goofs guy now? Yeah, <laughs> Take it over your turf, Sean I don't know if that's on IMDB I'm sure it is
2: Yeah. Uh, most of the goofs are dedicated To anachronisms um, Including The one that I did pick out Which is so specific I can't believe Someone bothered to notice this So it says, when Tom opens Dickie's fake suicide letter, the year is typed out as I-959. So 1959 but with an I for the one. uh, With an uppercase I. Because manual typewriters did not have a numeric one. But this is still incorrect because the correct character to use in place of a one is a lowercase l. So they went far enough to figure out that they shouldn't have a one Jesus Christ But then they fucked up how to replace it
1: Well You know There, there are some typewriter enthusiasts out there They know their shit It was probably Tom Hanks <laughs> uh, Yeah I bet he saw this movie At some point So yeah <laughs> Ripley and uh Dicky, oh, fuck it. I don't. I don't even. <laughs> I can't get back on the plot. The 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 train's too far off the track at this point. Um. Anyways, the, they bond over their jazz uh, fandom, and I did like that Matt Damon and uh, Jude Law like learned how to play piano and saxophone for this movie. That's cool. Oh, really? Yeah.
2: Oh. That's cool. Yeah, what an unnecessary thing to do, given how little there is actually of it. Yeah, there's just
1: basically like one scene of it. Well, maybe two. There's a couple scenes at the jazz club. But yeah, Ripley kind of weasels his way into Dickie's life. And then gets kind of jealous when this this Freddy character comes into the picture, who's Philip Seymour Hoffman, who we kind of assume that... Dicky and him have some sort of romantic relationship, um, kind of on the fringes. Uh,
2: Interesting tidbit for you, Cola. Yes, Philip Seymour Hoffman also plays a character named Freddie in the movie Red Dragon.
1: I'd buy it. Freddie Lounds. He, he looks like a Freddie.
2: He um he has a cool death.
1: In this movie. Mm,
2: in this movie he's got an okay death Yeah in Red Dragon, I mean, got a pretty I, I was death.
1: just kind of wanting to get to The first death in this movie Just cause it is Very memorable um, Cause it's like Not as memorable as Phil Hoffman's death
2: in Red Dragon though. I'll just <laughs> Very memorable Sean knows what I'm talking
3: about I haven't
0: seen it I've seen Manhunter They set him on fire doing. and put him in a wheelchair And shoot it down the streets. <laughs> okay so like... I How early Has that happened in Manhunter Is that pretty early or is that later In my memory Manhunter opens with Like a guy that that opens with that scene Maybe it does, I don't think so That would be pretty badass Is Red Dragon better than Manhunter No it can't be right It's Brett Ratner Yeah. (laughs) I would be so interested in seeing the Red Dragon just put that on the back burner, if <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> I do.
1: Sorry, Colin. It's okay. I just
2: <laughs> the scene Colin's talking about is really sad. I don't like it. You don't like
0: it? I mean, it is like, yeah. I I didn't want him to do a murder. I, I know, it, but it is kind of hard to watch because it's not like immediate. Like it's always fucking scary in a movie when oh, someone's God. like oh
1: wait I'm being killed <laughs> yeah that's the thing is he you know they're they're kind of quarreling and then uh, Matt Damon grabs uh, an oar because they're on a, a raft and he just like slashes Jude Law in the face with it uh, but he doesn't die he just like fights him and then they're just like struggling and it's just like he's a big bloody mess but then Matt Damon just kind of like smashes him with the oar until he finally dies and then there's this shot of him just like at sea sort of like laying side by side with uh, with Dickie's body just a bunch of blood kind of waiting in the uh, the raft it's, yeah. it's, it's something especially for <laughs> People like us that went into this movie not expecting Jude Law to die so early on in the movie, um, and it also like remains memorable because the other, well, how many murders are there in this movie? However many there are, I... you don't see a lot of on-screen violence.
0: I only remember the two.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's those two big ones, both but I'm not head-related. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Both of a little bashful and an open.
0: <laughs> really classy deaths, like being hit with an ore and then being hit with like a marble statue. Yeah, yeah. That's head to head. Like rich. That's how you kill someone in Clue.
1: <laughs> that's how you know it's a
0: fancy death. Uh,
1: yeah. So then, uh, after that, I think Ripley like he's not really even then he's not planning on taking. Dickey's identity. He just goes back to the hotel and the person behind the counter like mistakes him for Dickey And they're like, are you mr? Greenwood and he's just like "Uh," <laughs> And then he like changes his passport and starts writing letters to Meredith just to make it seem like he's still alive um, And then yeah, you just get into all these hijinks like uh, especially when Kate Blanchett's character shows up because she recognized him uh, earlier in the movie, thinking he was Dicky when they're on that boat. That that pivotal boat. Uh, so crucial. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's just fun. I don't know. Trying to see him get away with it i think you can kind of believe that he could pull this off for as long as he does during the you know the period that the movie takes place people weren't being photographed all the time what what did you guys think of matt damon in this movie
2: That was a sexy beast
1: nerdy but handsome yeah we're very him. superficial about we only <laughs> judge actors on their looks that is all that matters uh, yeah I, I liked him it's, I think were you rooting for him did you want him to get away with it that's a great question because it does seem like the appeal of this character in the books is that he's so charming that you want him to get away with murder literally and I don't know if I found that to be what what this interpretation of the character was. I feel like he was a little kind of detached and mysterious and not necessarily suave and charming. So I, I, I guess I wasn't entirely rooting for him. I mean, it's weird because I figured <laughs> he would get away with it because I knew it was based off of a book that had... A bunch of other installments uh, In the same series But I guess I did want him to get away with it Ultimately
0: I think the casting of Matt Damon Is is a big part of what makes me want him To get away with it Like if Jude Law was playing that part I'd be like, this fucking asshole But there's something about Matt Damon That's like, I don't know Inherently sweet and boyish That you're kind of like, oh, man, poor guy. He's just a little, a little over his head. You know, he's like, y- you're rooting for him. Especially in, like, scenes like um, when Philip Seymour Hoffman, like, confronts him and he gets, like, caught in a lie. I'm like, this is an uncomfortable situation. I'm definitely not on Philip Seymour Hoffman's side. Yeah, That's but true. also
2: I'm not on Ripley's side because he has switched to a lie a little bit, but then it's murdering time.
0: <laughs> oh, this would be a good double feature with the informant. Another movie about a liar played by Matt David. <laughs> but a way more incompetent one.
2: That's interesting how many times has Matt Damon played a liar? You could say Well good he's well definitely a liar in Interstellar. Kind of a liar. Uh definitely a liar in that. Uh Oceans Eleven.
1: Yeah. Huge I definitely liar. thought of uh the departed because Leo DiCaprio was actually the first actor offered this role. Ugh.
2: Yeah. Movie all about liars. They're they're definitely should we liars. not trust Matt
1: Damon? I guess mm. not. <laughs> I definitely was thinking a lot about what Matt Damon's type as an actor is, and he definitely is like he he is kind of an everyman. Like he's not. I mean, he's he's definitely got movie star good looks, but he's not quite like a Brad Pitt or a a Leo, even. Uh, Yeah,
2: he's so relatable when he plays the world's greatest super spy, or a man who buys a zoo.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I see him as a liar who always needs to get rescued. (laughs) Martian needs to get rescued. Saving Private Ryan needs to get rescued. I feel like there's a funny thing online about, like, how much money... Has been spent in movies rescuing Matt Damon.
2: <laughs> well, The Martian's really going to tip that <laughs> scale. That's not.
0: <laughs> I feel like there's another one. I got those two. There must be Saving another Private one. Ryan. Oh god. Well, yeah, yeah Saving Private Ryan and The Martian. There has to be a third where it's like we got to rescue. Him. I mean, he he was a liar that wanted to be rescued in Interstellar, Interstellar but no one yeah. wanted to rescue him. No, no, uh, Anne Hathaway wanted to rescue him.
1: Oh, you're right. That's kind of the perfect role for him, that one Yeah That's the real Matt Damon <laughs> Okay, yeah, I mean that all checks out I, I, he, It's like he has I don't know that, that kind of relatable quality But Like the movies that use him well Kind of play against that Because they make him more like Sinister and Untrustworthy also, Colin, do you realize this is the second time you picked a movie that has Matt Damon,
0: Gwyneth Paltrow, and Jude Law?
1: Yeah, because of Contagion. <laughs> they they got the Ripley gang back together for that one. They got the Ripley gang back at it again. <laughs> this time with another, a different person dying a lot sooner than you'd think. That's, that's true.
0: If they ever do another movie together, you're going to have to pick
1: it. I guess so. So many... So many friends in this movie that just like <laughs> making movies together. I feel like that David and Ka- Kate Blanchett have been in a number of movies together as well. But. It seems like it. It seems like it.
2: Isn't it very exciting to think that Kate Blanchett was like maybe filming Lord of the Rings while this
0: movie was coming out? <sighs> oh, pretty close Yeah, something like that. Yeah. That's fascinating.
2: Wow, that's cool. You guys. Freaked out about that movie being twenty years old, Fellowship. <laughs> that
1: is, that is kind of freaky. Mr. Ripley. Mr. Ripley. He's so talented. <laughs> He's pretty talented. Uh, I don't, I don't know that I have much more to say about this movie. Um, yeah, I,
0: I, I will say I, I didn't think he was gonna get away with it because I didn't know that was a series of books or anything. Okay. I thought he was gonna get fucking caught. And maybe killed by being hit in the head Yeah,
2: yeah. That's how everyone else died <laughs> Head it hits is. Now that I know it was by the person who also wrote um, Strangers on a Train I'm disappointed it didn't end with them Getting chased onto a carousel and Turning it on into speed
0: <laughs> Or if Gwyneth Paltrow drops a piano on him It's like so Jazz killed him
2: Yeah that's what you get for playing the piano. If you played the saxophone, it maybe wouldn't have killed you. Yeah.
1: Death by it's jazz. It's kinda of poetic in a way.
2: Death by jazz. Um Have we talked about on this podcast how disappointing that line is when you actually see B movie? Uh,
1: which movie? Oh which line? Where it's just <laughs> like, you like, jazz. You like jazz.
0: <laughs> Oh yeah. I feel like I talked over it when you watched it too.
2: Because he's just like, what do I say to a human? You like jazz? Like it's it's just like part of him, like thinking about how to flirt with a human, which is weird, <laughs> but very different from the way it's been built up by culture.
0: It it like was the line. joke of the trailer. Yeah, it was the joke going into the movie. Everyone was expecting it. Total letdown. Yeah. Disappointing movie. I give B-movie an F. <laughs> F-movie. Wow.
1: I'd see that. <laughs> see what? F-movie? F it movie. sounds I'm pornographic, but... <laughs> it does? Sound All right. Me. Sign me <laughs> up. <laughs> Gaspar Noe's F-movie. Sure. So yeah, I, I could not find any talk that ever happened of doing a sequel to this movie despite there being the potential there it seemed like it did relatively there is a sequel. well i mean kind of i don't know how connected that john malkovich thing is if you want to think of it as a sequel it is surprising it seems like
0: i mean it's an easy vehicle for Matt Damon to do another Matt Damon, he was hot back then. The Matt Damon picture.
1: Yeah, I guess I, it, it, I don't know. Maybe just all of the actors in it thought that they were above doing sequel movies. Even though they all ended up being in Marvel movies.
3: <laughs> what did Matt Damon
1: do next? <laughs> That's a good question.
2: What that we haven't talked about yet.
1: Like
0: what was what did he do right after early two thousands?
2: Right, looking it up, that was, oh was Titan God. A.E. probably. That sucks. Oh, wow. What
1: a yeah. So he did Titan A.E. and he did The Legend of Bagger Vance, as well as um,
2: Is do- do- Dogma's ninety nine right? Did, did that come out before or after?
1: Uh, probably before, because I think to Mr. Ripley" was a uh, a Christmas time release.
2: Ooh, then it must be really close. It says "Dogma" was November twelfth, nineteen ninety nine. Okay, wow. Yeah, and then you're right, December twenty fifth, nineteen ninety nine for Mr.
0: Ripley. You know, something I've never thought about is Matt Damon has done a lot of cameos in his career.
1: Yeah, Ooh, I just a lot. I learned about one um today because he has a cameo in deadpool 2 and he's credited as dickie greenleaf i
0: don't even remember him in deadpool 2. he is talking with um
2: alan tudyk i want to say they're like farmers or something
1: Okay. Like red, he plays. Guys.
0: Oh, that sounds sort of familiar. <laughs> he plays
1: Redneck Number One.
0: That's interesting. I feel like the cameo I usually hear about is people are super surprised that he has a cameo in Euro Trip.
1: I mean, I'm. But I'm surprised. he's got a lot of cameos. Yeah.
0: Going all the way back to um, 2000, when he apparently had a cameo in Finding
1: <laughs> Forrester. Just, just doing Gus Van Sant a solid there.
0: You know, he had that Marvel cameo. Isn't Doesn't he have a cameo in Ocean's 8 or something? Yeah,
1: I think he does.
0: Oh, it says cameo scenes deleted. Oh, okay. So, he showed up. But they're like, eh, we're good. <laughs> that's, that's disappointing. They, they cut the cameo. He's got a cameo in Unsane. The Majestic, of course. Classic film. Cameo in Jersey Girl, Confessions of a Dangerous okay, Mind. He's all over the joystick. place. He's he's perfect for popping up. I feel I don't know if it's a cameo in Interstellar, but it's definitely like you weren't expecting him.
2: Yeah, yeah. you didn't know you said this movie.
0: So he just kind of shows up, um, and then lies and needs to be rescued. Not the best qualities. Yeah, but we love him. Yes. Okay, do we? I gotta ask you guys: Do we like uh, Matt Damon more than Ben Affleck? I'm th- I'm saying right now,
1: right now, in the right in now. the midst of Benefer 2.0. Yeah. Oh God. It's, it's tough now, right? Yeah. It's it's hard because I. There is something charming about like what a what a knucklehead Ben Affleck seems like in real life, which Ben Matt Damon kind of also. Seems like sometimes, uh, but I definitely like Matt Damon more as an actor.
2: Yeah, I don't like if we're, if we're talking about them as people. I prefer Ben Affleck because he's fucking hilarious with his Dunkin' Donut problem, yeah. <laughs> his back tattoo. <laughs> that shit's great. But if we're talking about the films they've been making in the past decade, like since Argo, has Ben Affleck done anything that's genuinely good?
1: I mean... Well, I feel like people
0: like The Way Back.
2: The, the Way Back was was, was good. The, okay, so the sad basketball movie that came out in 2020. So basically it's like a whole lost decade <laughs> of Ben Affleck. Movies. But that's
0: what... I, I feel like the thing about Ben Affleck is he's like, okay, people hate him, and then he like kind of redeems himself a little bit, and then people hate him again. And now he's right now going back to, okay, people kind of like him again. Yeah because I remember being like a defender of Ben Affleck around the time of like Hollywood Land because I thought he was like really good in that movie but then we all started hating Ben Affleck again when he became Batman maybe even before when he um I
2: don't I don't think I Mario. ever have hated him during like I think any time I hated him was like in the Sheely day so <laughs> it's just like making bad decisions in bad movies. I don't hate him for, like, his Batman. I think he did a good job, like, getting in shape and bringing to life this vision of the Batman character that I 100% disagree with. <laughs> uh, like, none of that's on him. And and I liked uh, Argo and uh, and Gone Girl and The Town.
0: I, the Town I mean, was good. I like good. that movie. I like that movie. You know what I also consider part of the Ben Affleck redemption arc, though? is there's that period of time where apparently Ben Affleck and Kevin Smith weren't friends and now they're friends again and he had that terrible uh, cameo in Jade's Hot Bob Reboot. I mean, it's not a terrible cameo. He actually does a good job It's just terribly <laughs> written, in my opinion. It's, it's very cringy. But he's good in it. So they're friends again. Things are good. Okay. Maybe he'll be in Clerks 3 in a cameo. Take a page out of the book of Matt Damon do a cameo. <laughs> Actually Matt Damon and Ben Affleck both had
1: cameos in Jade's Sai Bob Reboot. Of course. And they also got uh The Last Duel coming up, which I guess they they co wrote right. and they're, they're are directing in. They're back. They uh,
0: didn't didn't really Scott already duel do a duel movie?
1: Yeah, he did the Duelist.
2: Yeah. The Duelists. Oh, <laughs> <But> this is <laughs> a long time
1: this ago this, it was like This is
2: the
3: last one. <laughs> Do you know?
2: Wait. So, how much do you guys know about the last duel? Because I think it's pretty
1: interesting. Not much.
0: I saw the trailer. I haven't seen that. That's what I know. Saw the trailer at
2: Old. Um, you know, it's it's about the duel, but it's also about toxic masculinity and um, how hard it is to be a woman back in like 14th century France. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, the the thing about uh, it being the first movie that Matt Damon and Ben Affleck wrote together in a while is even more complicated because they only wrote their parts of the movie and they let Nicole Holofcener write uh, all the the rest of the film because they wanted it to be like a thing where like it's about perspective so like they were writing the, the men's perspectives and she's writing the women's perspective
0: Oh, that's like on Halloween, how John Carpenter wrote the crazy Dr. Loomis stuff, but Deborah Hill wrote all the, the women,
1: uh, the women's dialogue. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I like Nicole Hollifield. We all likes
2: Ever Yeah, can you ever forgive me? And, Enough
1: uh, said. Oh yeah 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 yeah. She's done good stuff.
0: That was a good movie. Remember that movie? Yeah. I like that one. <laughs> But on the other hand,
2: Ridley Scott is, like, 90
0: That's <laughs> like, what the... I just... Fuck I don't know. I saw that, and I was like, Ridley really, Scott don't got it. I just... I mean, we'll see, but... The Martian was, like... A, it was, it's weird that that movie worked as well as it did. Because I feel like, otherwise... What's what's the best, like, more recent Ridley Scott movie, aside from that? Mm, how far How far are you willing to go back <laughs> for recent? I, I, I say you can go back all the way to 2000. Okay. Well, then Gladiator... Okay Then it's Gladiator Unless I don't know Never saw Kingdom of Heaven I, I can't remember where, where people settled On that movie I agree with The consensus
2: That the director's cut Is a lot better Okay I, But it's also a thing Where it's so long Maybe it's like A Stockholm Syndrome thing Where right? I've lived In the world of Kingdom of Heaven For such a long time That I had to like it Otherwise it feels like Too much of a waste of time
0: D- Did he do Black Hawk Down? Yeah Yeah he did Oh, I've forgotten it. I don't think I've ever seen it. It's got everybody. It's got every. It's one of those <laughs> things. It's like a Band of Brothers type situation where it just has everybody. It's Pretty much. Black Hawk. I gotta add that to the I feel like we're coming at with like a lot of movies that it's it's surprising
1: that some of us haven't seen. You know, we have these gaps, and sometimes you need a, you need to fill them. Like we did with this movie, which surprisingly none of us had seen. None of us even know what happened. To
0: yeah. It. <laughs> um. Oh, wow, you know, Tom uh, Hardy. <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking up the cast of Black Hawk Down.
3: There's it's so many everybody's... people in this movie.
0: It's got a lot of people in it. Yeah. It's even. Why do I know this name? Hold on. Ron Eldred how do I know that name? I feel like we mentioned on this podcast. Um, was that the guy who was the original voice in the phone booth? <laughs> 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 it sounds it you seems know. like it could be. It <laughs> is Jesus Christ. I only know that from our podcast. <laughs> where we're doing uh, We're doing our phone booth episode, and there's this guy who was originally the voice of the caller named Ron Eldard. And we're like who the fuck is Ron Eldred Apparently he's also in Black Act, uh, Yeah, I have no idea who he is
2: Jesus Christ now I know who this guy is Because he he had a good run on ER <laughs> Wow That's that guy
0: Our podcast is the only thing keeping The legacy of Ron Eldred alive mm-hmm.
2: He plays A firefighter who dates Juliana Margulies And then he goes crazy because his partner dies in a fire and he's like, I hate people. I hate homeless people and criminals and everybody who isn't cool and white. And then he has to leave the show. Good arc. I don't even know what he looks like. He's done a lot of stuff I've seen. He's got a goofy mustache sometimes on ER. Alright.
1: Learned a lot yeah, tonight. I think. Uh, that's, that's that's about as many tangents as I think we need. Um, John, are you gonna do uh, your Rogues Gallery for this?
0: Of course. Okay, I call this segment John's Rose Gallery. Being a bad guy Okay guys we got Tom Ripley And um, I can already tell Just kind of glancing at his villains wiki page That it has For some of his like goals uh, These must be from some of the books Because I don't remember some of the stuff But that'll be kind of fun It'll give you kind of like a taste of some of the other hijinks He's been up to in these other stories Okay so full name Thomas Ripley Alias Tom Ripley Dickie Greenleaf And Durwatt I can't remember if that's a name he used in Talented Mr. Ripley Not not that I remember, but I don't know Origin, it just says Ripley ad Occupation Con artist And co-owner of Buckmaster Gallery (laughs) Again, like Is Is that in this movie? I don't know
1: I don't think I mean, so I mean, no It's I'm not, it's one one not a stores, this, I assume but... it, it's. It could even be something That's in the book That isn't in the movie Because okay. I feel like the book uh, Oh, that's true The book goes into A little more detail About what he was doing In New York Before he Went off to Italy. Right Yeah I, I can only tell This is like a smart Villain's wiki page <laughs> yeah. Like someone
0: smart Wrote this <laughs> They read a, read a book Cause, Cause It's based on a <laughs> book So they've read books Powers slash skills High intelligence Strategy Charisma, Manipulation, Impersonation, and Forgery. Hell yeah. Hobby, Playing Harpsichord. What? Specifically harpsichord, not piano. Not piano, harpsichord? Harpsichord, like the old medieval thing. King Arthur shit. And uh, studying languages. Yeah. That's it. it. I'm surprised that's all they have for hobbies. Not like going to the opera, going on a boat.
2: They do show him sort of learning Italian at one part. He just likes language.
0: doesn't even say jazz. Just languages and harpsichord. <laughs> what else do you need? Mm. All right. Here's the interesting part of this villain's wiki. Goals. Steal Dickie Greenleaf's identity and usurp his inheritance. Right? Yeah. And then kill Murchison and keep the Buckminster Gallery's forgeries <laughs> a secret. <laughs>
3: that
0: sounds enticing.
3: Uh,
0: another one. Make Jonathan Travani believe he is dying and turn him into an assassin. Whoa. That sounds pretty good. Help Travani escape the mafia. I kind of feel like we're missing out now. Yeah. <laughs> Save Frank Pearson from kidnappers. Oh, and all these ones that I've listed all succeeded. Nice. Yes,
1: he always gets away.
0: Oh, except for this one time. Help Pearson get oh. on with his life. Failed. Oh. And then finally, prevent the Pritchards from revealing his crimes succeeded. Still one of the most successful villains on Villains Wiki. (laughs) I think the only other villain we've ever done that was more successful was the caller from Phone Booth. Okay. Uh, Okay, crimes. Murder, identity theft, forgery, theft, and fraud. All right. And guys, what type of villain... Is Tom Rippling. This is always a tricky part. It's 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 three words, but the uh, the, the last two words I thought were one word. You could put a hyphen in it, I think. <laughs> so
2: amazing Spider Man.
0: <laughs> Anyone have any guesses? Uh, I feel like me getting the clues makes it even harder because then you get like, oh, serial
2: shit. con artist.
0: All right, Con You have a guess. The dogs barking in the background. Don't let it distract you. Do you call It's
2: really thinking. Thinking real hard,
0: really thinking, (laughs) really. This is a tough one. Can also say no. I don't have a guess.
1: Um, wait. Hello. Yes. Yeah, we hear you. I back. figured did you're did, having a problem. We're
0: trying to play it off as like you're really thinking hard. <laughs> okay.
1: No, my internet cut off. Are were you asking me what kind of villainy is? Yes. Uh, That's right. I don't. I don't. Shape shifting murderer. <laughs> uh, Sean
0: was incredibly close. So close that I feel like I should. He gets a point. Uh, he's a strategic con artist. Ah. Uh-huh. Sean did get con artist.
1: So well done.
2: And an S ne- word.
1: Yeah, you're pretty damn close. Good job. It's good. Whenever you can get I'll take either it. of the words. Pretty good.
0: Yeah. I call it a win. Me? <laughs> Alright, I guess it's um It's my pick, right? It's your pick next time. Okay. Um Okay. That makes it sound like it's not my pick. It makes it sound like it's my pick on the next episode. It's my pick right now for the next episode. Okay. Okay.
2: You're in charge, John. You're the boss, the head man, the top dog, the big chick. From now
1: until the the head honcho. End of the next episode. It is your pick. The floor is yours. (laughs) Feels good. Yeah. Feels pretty good.
0: Um, I don't think it's much of its because I've been talking about what I was gonna pick for a while. I'm gonna pick the original Candyman movie because there's the new Candyman coming out. Um, you know, and I've I've been working my way through the uh, the Candyman movies, so I plan on talking about those briefly. And I I'll probably read the short story as well and give you guys a little bit of background on that. I don't know when uh, it's it's probably gonna come out after that new um. The new movie comes out next weekend Or or whenever you're hearing this I don't know So I don't know if I'll have seen the new one by then or what Mm -hmm. I don't know if it matters But uh Good people are talking about Candyman So I'm gonna keep the legend alive It's on
1: Peacock If you guys have Peacock Or or you can just rent it Just throwing that out there I don't but I've been thinking about Checking out Peacock there you go. So, good good
0: good you know, free trial. Yeah. Watch c left on old candyman. Rutherford Falls. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> is that a Chris Catan character?
2: <laughs> it is um Michael Schur's new show. Starring Ed Hell
0: Oh, Rutherford Falls. I thought he said Rutherford Balls. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded a lot funnier. I've heard of Rutherford Falls. <laughs>
1: All right. All right. Well, that's something to look forward to next time. Uh, you can, uh, whatever Sean says, rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can uh, check out uh, past, past podcasts either on, on the Apple Podcasts app or wherever you get your podcasts, or you can check out mildlyplease.com. I don't know if we'll be writing anything uh, in in the near future, but we'll we'll have Shocktober coming up, and we, we had a, a fun time doing Criterion Month uh, back in July. Uh, but uh, we'll be back in uh, in about a week or so. You better believe it.